Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftel, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter, sitting in again for Tara Webman. We've got David Jones. You'll find him on Twitter at IPOP Editor. Um, David, we are a week into spring trading. We have seen a few more games. Um, last week, both of us were fairly adamant on the Jordan Walker thing that uh, he wasn't going to make the team. I don't know if Jordan Walker listens to the show, but he seems to have the way he played this week. Yeah, I'd like to go back and um, remove some comments that I made on the record. Uh, Maybe we could delete that episode. Uh, I'm not sure what happened other than the fact that Jordan Walker started living up to his name and made us look really dumb. Now, we still might be correct in our assessments about him not making the roster for opening day, but my Goodness, I mean, some of his home runs are still going as we speak. That is, this is absolutely, completely true. Um, but I also, yeah, you know, I, I agree that it's exciting, and I don't want to, any kind of comments to look like we're putting a damper on this because it's it's fun. I mean, and it's great to see this, and Jordan Walker still well may make it. But I was kind of thinking back to like twenty twenty. You know, you have the other big pros. You got Dylan Carlson who comes up, and you know he has a good spring. He's not having the, you know, he didn't hit any home runs, but he had a good spring. In fact, after the first week, he was hitting 500, um, and he still didn't go north of the team. Now, COVID came in, and once it, you know, once everything cleared, he did actually come, you know, come up. But you know, he didn't actually start with the team, and. It's a week, right? I and mean, there's still two or three weeks left to go. I, I don't, I don't know. I hate to. I, I know it's it's that old adage: you never fall in love too early in spring. And I feel like that's what we're doing with Jordan Walker. I get that he had a good fall. I get that he's a top prospect. And I get that this is probably a fairly accurate representation of what he can do. But it still feels like it's not inevitable yet. Yeah, it's. I, you know, I, I watch ESPN sometimes in the morning and I, the comments they make, it's like one of those prisoner of the moment type things that mm-hmm. you see it happen and you're just like, wow. And you get enamored and you get stuck in that. I, I, I think what we're seeing is a taste of what's to come from him. Uh, and when I said that I didn't think he was going to make the opening day roster, had nothing to do with his overall talent, nothing to do with where I think he's going to be eventually, had nothing to even do with starting or not starting his clock. I think it has more to do with just the fact that there is some growth that's still to take place. Now, he's been crushing the ball. He absolutely has. You look at the pitchers he's hitting it against, they are major league pitchers, but they're guys who are borderline or maybe have Mm -hmm. had like a career five ERA, with the exception of Cueto, but Cueto's not throwing 96 anymore. Right. And so for me, it's more about the fact that what's Walker going to look like once a lot of these minor league guys are gone. Once he starts seeing some hard change-ups thrown his way, uh, you know, for the guy to have never played at triple a, it's amazing to see what he's doing, but there is still growth that takes place at triple a. Uh, you see a little better level of pitchers. You see a different type of pitching. And that's just where I think that growth needs to happen before he's on the team. Now, if in three weeks the guy's still hitting 429 and he's got 10 home runs, yeah, you have to bring him up. Um, but like we we saw today, I think 0 for 3, faced a little bit better pitching. Um, he's going to come back down to earth a little bit. I hope he doesn't. I hope he keeps just crushing the ball. But I think we're going to see him kind of come back to the mean 
of, of where he's supposed to be. But it's fun to watch. I mean, I'm absolutely loving it. It would be nice if I could actually see it happen if they would broadcast <laughs> some of those games. But at least hearing about it or watching it on someone's uh, cell phone is really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. It is fun to see. And I again, I, I think that maybe it pushes the timetable up a little bit that, you know, maybe you're looking at more like a, you know, late May or maybe even early May or depending, you know, depending on situations and stuff like that. But I, I, again, everybody was all on fire for Lars Newt bar this off season. Right. I mean, we've talked about how hard he hits the ball, how well he did in the second half, how much work he done at driveline and stuff like that. Everybody's excited about Lars Newt bar and we want to see what Lars can do. They're going to put Tyler O'Neill out there because they need to see what Tyler O'Neill can do. You know, I'm not just necessarily ready to write off Dylan Carlson after a, a weak year. And you have Alec Burleson that I don't think has anything to prove at Memphis, given what he did last year. So you're already looking at guys that you want to see in major league conditions. I just, you know, I don't think we have to rush Jordan Walker, especially because, you know, if this was 2015, 2016, 2018, some of those years where the offense wasn't that great, maybe you feel a little bit more of a urge to put him on that, but this lineup is strong, right? I mean, we've seen that even in the spring. Um, it's not, I mean, if Jordan Walker could pitch, then maybe he makes the team a little easier. Um, but I don't know that you have to bring up a bat like that immediately because there are plenty of bats that are available. Yeah. And, and like Ali has said over and over again, if he comes up, he's playing, and right now there's just there's so much depth. Now, if he is the best player, you put him in there. But we know if Tyler O'Neill's healthy, he's playing every day for sure. We know that if Newt is healthy, he's playing every day for sure or close to it. The DH mm -hmm. helps a little bit, but you've got Yepes who's already hitting right handed. And then what's not being talked about very much, but Nolan Gorman is having a very good spring both defensively and offensively. And so you potentially have your left-handed DH there, or you may have your second baseman. You're moving Donovan around. A lot of things going on. And like you mentioned, you've got Burleson, who Burleson outside of Walker has probably been their best-looking outfielder to this point. Yeah. Um, a lot of good things happening. Um, this is a good problem to have. Now, I, I think we might have mentioned this last week, but usually what's inevitable is you're going to have some type of injury, and these things sort themselves out. Uh, but right now you have a lot of puzzle pieces that you're trying to put into a smaller puzzle. Um, it, I, I was going through looking at the outfielder stats and I got to Newt and I just kind of my, my head went blank for a second. I'm like, man, he's not getting many at bats. Is he hurt? Oh, like, no, nope, <laughs> no. Nope. Newt's in another country right now. Yeah. Like, so we're not even getting to see him play. Um, now, Carlson does have they talked about some possible like shoulder fatigue or throwing fatigue. Uh, maybe that's the open door that Walker takes and runs with it. Um, but yeah, I, there's still a lot of time to go. And I think these things usually will sort themselves out. Um, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I think that's uh, there's still plenty of things to, to talk. I mean, again, we are looking at, you know, three weeks of games. And I mean, they have they have one off day the rest of the way until um, the last game against the Orioles in um, on the 27th. And they have two days off before opening day. So they're going to be playing every day. In fact, there's one day, there's a, there's a couple of split squad games in there too. So, you know, there's going to be opportunities and, and Jordan Walker is going to play pretty much every day. And we'll see if, 
how that works. And we'll see if, you know, anybody else takes control of that. And you're right. You know, Carlson's injury may keep him out for a while and maybe that's enough. Um, but again, even so, you know, with Burleson and, you know, with Yep is available to play out field, maybe it's not, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's not, it's probably a good thing. We don't have to make those decisions. Um, <laughs> but I also think that the front office has proven that they've proven a couple of things. One, they don't manipulate service time. I, I feel like that's pretty accurate. Um, they've never been barely overly overtly for sure. And every time they've, you know, like Dylan Carlson didn't start, there were reasons for that. I mean, you could, you, you could argue that maybe they should have, but there were at least some solid reasons they didn't. Um, you look at Jordan Hicks and they jumped him from, you know, single A up into the major league. They obviously weren't worried about service time there. Um, and they have also never been one to <laughs> bow to the mob, if you will. I hate to put it that way, maybe, but they're going to do what they want to do. And if the fan base may not be ex- excited about it, but I don't think they're going to be swayed by the fact that everybody wants Jordan Walker and maybe that sells some more tickets. Maybe that sells some more jerseys. You know, if they don't think he's ready, they're, you know, or if they need to look at everybody else, that's what they're going to do. And they'll worry about the repercussions later. Yeah. And now it's incentivized to actually bring Walker up. Cause if you bring mm-hmm. him up and he becomes the rookie of the year, you get an extra draft pick out of that. Right. So, and that's the way the Cardinals operate using the draft to their advantage. I mean, you bring Jordan Walker up, you get a chance to draft another Jordan Walker, which doesn't right. always happen, but you may draft a Tink Hintz. You may draft a Mason win with that pick that's right there. Cause it's a pretty good pick that you're getting. So yeah, they do have every incentive in the world to bring him up. Not only he can help you win, uh, but yeah, I, well, I'm curious to see, it, it, you know, it, and there's stuff we don't get to see. We don't get to see what's happening on the backfields. We don't get to see what Walker looks like against, you know, some of his teammates, some of their off speed mm-hmm. stuff. Now, for all we know, maybe he's crushing that off speed stuff out of the park. Um, if he is one of the top three outfielders going into the season, then by all means bring him up, but there's still so much time to go so much to prove. Uh, and I, I said this last week, and this was part of my overreacting, kind of being facetious thing, but mm. I do wonder, is there a trade that's still in the works that could mm. involve potentially uh, an extra outfielder? Could it involve a starting pitcher? Could we be seeing a starting pitcher coming back? I don't know, but there are a lot of nuts and bolts still to go that to determine what the opening day roster is going to look like. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely fair, because if, if he continues to push the envelope, then maybe they are dangling somebody else out there because you know they don't want to send them to memphis but you know maybe they can get some value out of them you know that is that is definitely fair and i also think it's fair to point out that you know every year people clamor for the best you know the best roster to go north or whatever the case but that, that, that never truly happens because of contracts and because of options and and things of that nature and needing to get seasoned because as we've watched this this week if you were going to make your judgments this week, you'd find a place for Mason Wynn, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mason Wynn has been pretty outstanding. Um, and shortstop is a position where you start, you know, thinking about it. Um, so that's, you know, but there's, I mean, if you don't, if, if we're not sure Jordan Walker's going to make it, there's absolutely no way that Mason Wynn makes <laughs> it. Um, so, you know, this, you, you work with the constraints you have and you do the best you can. And I think the, the front office will do that. And, um, you know, there's does feel to me and we, they've talked about it too. 
there does feel like more competition in spots than we have seen in quite some time because the outfield is kind of up there. The, the bullpen is still kind of, there's a lot of different options there. Um, there's no guarantee necessarily of who that 26 man roster is going to be. Mm-hmm. I will say for our listeners outside of the St. Louis area and outside of the Cardinals zone, you are probably really excited if you have MLB TV this year because they're mm-hmm. adding in that minor league package to it. And yeah. so getting to watch Memphis games is going to be awesome this year because and even double A games because you're going to see so many guys just on the cusp of getting to the majors. Um, it's you're you're watching guys that are just one call away from coming up and producing. Uh, Mason Wynn's been awesome to watch. Uh, I mean, he's hitting 462. His OPS over a thousand right now. Actually, it's over 1100, I think. And you know, and then just casually throws 99.9 miles per hour from shortstop. So the future is bright, but so is present day. And so it's there's a lot of reasons to be excited as a Cardinals fan right now. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that's one of the great things about being a Cardinals fan is. You know, I was on a show uh, last night. I hadn't gone up yet, um, but I was guesting and they were talking about this, you know, this new wave of people. And I said, you know, that's part of being a Cardinal fan is the window never closes. The there's never a I mean, yeah, there's some there's some markers. There's never a definitive end to an era because you've got, you know, last year you have Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina coming to the end of their careers. But then you've got Lars Nukar and you've got, you know, still young guys like Dylan Carlson and others, Brendan Donovan, that are just starting out. And so they start taking it over and, you know, just kind of picking up the flack. You've got Goldie and Arnado kind of filling in the gaps in between, um, you know, and that's, you know, for all the, you know, all this, the slings and arrows that the DeWitts may take, um, their philosophy of running a ball team, of making sure that there's a wave of quality players, even if they're not superstars, quality players coming up, you know, yeah, it helps that they're playing in the NL Central and everything of that nature, but they've they've been a very good team for a very long time, and it's been pretty awesome. Yeah, I have friends who are Cincinnati Reds fans, and they love opening day. I mean, they look at opening day mm-hmm. kind of like we do because mm-hmm. every team is zero and zero, but like that's where it ends for them. Like after about a week or two, there's nothing left to look forward to, and so that's just. That's a beautiful thing about being a Cardinals fan. Now, if you're a Cardinals fan and you're a Blues fan, you're seeing the dichotomy right now. Of <laughs> It's an unfamiliar position of being sellers and kind of getting excited about getting draft picks, but also knowing this team is really hard to watch. You yeah. don't get that too often as a Cardinals fan. I mean, I think in my lifetime, from what I can remember, they've been sellers once or twice. They're They're in it. And if they're not in it, they're at least in it until close to the very end. And so you don't start a season going, eh, all hope is lost. We're tanking this year. Let's hopefully, hopefully we can get a good lottery pick or something like that. Um, like you hear in hockey sometimes or NBA. No, I mean, you're going to the season knowing this team's going to be competitive. And yeah, they're not going to have a high draft pick, but that's okay because this team should be in the playoffs. Yeah, it's that stat that floats around every once in a while that the last time you know, the last time the Cardinals finished with the worst record in baseball was what, like 1912 or something like that. I mean, the last time they finished last in their division was 1990. Um, you know, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen very much. It's, you know, they've been able to put together a quality product for a long, long time under a number of owners and a number of different approaches. It's, you know, we're just fortunate. I mean, with the history and, and the success that they've had, it's uh, it's always a good time to be a Cardinals fan, and that's uh, it's fun to see. It is. Um, 
So anything, uh, the rest of the things that came out this week, I don't know that there was much. Um, the Cardinals made their first batch of cuts, but there was nobody in that. I don't think that was quite notable. Um, but Adam Wainwright had an issues this week. We, you know, there was a lot of people jumping on his velocity. Wainwright not concerned, saying it's a mechanical thing, stuff like that. Um, what's your take on that? I mean, again, he struggled at the end of last year. Obviously, he's 41 years old. I mean, is there a concern there, or is it just trusting him to work it out? My concern level is probably like a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, not sounding the alarms, but I'm getting a little bit nervous. And I hate this because Adam Wainwright is my favorite Cardinal of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, this I could share the story another time, but like he... This guy called me at my work back in 2012. Long story there, but like he he called <laughs> me and like I couldn't speak. I lost like I was like, <gasps> um, it was kind of embarrassing on my end. But like he has he has been my favorite cardinal for a long time. But we know that Father Time is undefeated. I mean, we we've seen that with Tom Brady, and so that's where I start getting a little nervous. Um, for velocity to be that far down is concerning because we're not talking necessarily like two miles per hour or talking more like three to four. Now, maybe if there is a burn on the finger, if there is something, some type of hitch in the stride. Okay. Maybe we can get that figured out, but I'm nervous about that. The other thing that makes me a little bit nervous is my guess is because of what he has done because of his career, he probably has, I hate using this term, but he probably has the longest leash of any of the starting pitchers and that he's going to keep getting opportunities. Whereas someone like, Steven Matz probably doesn't have that. And so my fear is that they may keep throwing him out there to get him fixed or get him corrected in the regular season when it becomes a detriment. Now, again, we're talking like one, two starts and we still have a lot of spring left. We have the world baseball classic season hasn't even started. These stats don't matter, but I, I am a little bit concerned about what happens just because of his age, the drop in velocity, how good hitters are today, adjusting to things. And also because the Cardinals do have depth at starting pitching, but they have depth at with like number four, number five starters. They don't have another right. ace or a number two waiting in the wings. Yeah. Um, ben Rudy and I are talking on Meet Me Unusual this week uh, on Friday night. We kind of got into this discussion of how – if things go badly, how does it go with Adam Brainerd? Because, you know, the club doesn't release him. There's no way that it release. You know, you, you kind of think that Adam Wainwright might be one that would retire midseason um, if he's struggling. But, you know, there's no guarantee for that. Um, you know, do you move him to the bullpen or do you just, you know, put him in the starting rotation and, you know, hope that some night, you know, some nights he may give you five or six innings. Some nights he might not get out of the first um, and just be prepared for that. You know, there's a lot of different things there. Um, hopefully it's not a case. I mean, he doesn't seem to be too worked up about it. That being said, I don't know if I trust Adam Wainwright to be completely honest with it. I mean, after the fact, sure. But, you know, last September he continued to advocate that he was just, you know, it was just this or it was just that. And he's going to, you know, it was just a bad game or you know, I, you know, I, I figured it out. We're going to work through it. And it wasn't until the end of the year that we find out that, yeah, okay, his mechanics are off. And um, because of being hit in the knee and, and maybe he knew that, maybe he didn't, but he wasn't saying it publicly. Um, 
So I don't know. Um, you know, the club doesn't seem concerned, which is good. Um, and you're right. We're still talking a couple of first couple of spring training outings. You don't expect people, you know, going full bore then anyway. We'll see. I, honestly, I think the biggest test may be this World Baseball Classic, right? Because he's going to be facing quality players from not only major league level, but, you know, from around the world, people that maybe haven't seen him as much, but also are in really good condition. So if, if he gets through that without any problems, then, you know, maybe you feel pretty good. But if he struggles there, you know, there's a little bit of, I think that level of concern goes from 6.5 to 8 or 9, probably. Yeah. And I also know that as soon as someone tries to ride him off, he's going to go out there and throw seven innings, give up three <laughs> hits, no walks, Fair. six strikeouts, and the curveball is going to look nastier than ever. Um, it just, that's just the way he is. I, I don't ever see him being a type of guy that would need to retire midseason or would walk away midseason. I hope that's never the case. Um, I think, I, I think, worst case scenario is, he might move to the bullpen, which a couple of years ago when we weren't even sure if he was coming back, he even had incentives in his contract for like bullpen usage. He was open to right. that idea. And so being in the bullpen, I mean, you really only need like two pitches. You don't need to have that four pitch arsenal to go out there. And so with that curve, that curve is going to play in the bullpen. If we get to that point. Now I know I'm talking hypothetically and way ahead of myself. Hopefully that's not the case. I hope this guy is a starter. I hope he has a sub four ERA Hopefully he's hitting 89, 90 soon, and this is all for naught. But I am a little bit concerned right now. Yeah, I, I think it's only fair. And, you know, that's, again, just like for Jordan Walker, just like with here, the small sample size doesn't give us a lot to work with, right? I mean, it, it, it lends itself to perhaps extreme interpretations. Um, as you get more and more data that you can say, well, we were right, we were wrong, or you know, maybe jump the gun a little bit. I think it is. I think it's worth it's worth noting, even if the club does seems to want to push it off a little bit. It's definitely worth noting how how that's going. Um, another pitcher that has been under the microscope, which he typically is, is Jack Flaherty, who was supposed to start today, um, got pushed back off to tomorrow. Um, has yet, you know, again, has yet to make a grapefruit league start. He's pitched uh, again a simulated game on the backfields. There was some discussion about flu-like symptoms, maybe a little bit of, of a, a physical issue. Um, you know, this is a huge year for Jack Flaherty. And I got to feel like if he if they pushed him back for a day or so, there's a pretty good reason for that. Yeah, the, the flu-like, that didn't bother me when I heard that. I thought, okay, that makes sense. You know, that that's something that comes, it goes away, no big deal. But when they started saying calf muscle irritation as well, okay that's you know you start getting into issues that uh can have long-term effects now what that means who knows and i think part of this part of my skepticism has to do with just the way that we've heard from the cardinals doctors in the last decade or so that you know you hear somebody removed for precautionary measures and the next thing you know they're having shoulder surgery and out for the season or something like that so with his history I think everyone's going to be cautious and nervous until we see him step on the mound and throw. And even then, I think we're going to feel a little apprehensive until we see him on the mound regular season and hitting 96, 97 on the gun with relative ease. Now, tomorrow he's supposed to throw three innings. Maybe he go. and I don't care what a stat line looks like tomorrow. Uh, I care about, I do care about what the radar gun says. I care about if he's feeling healthy afterwards. Um, we need to see him on the mound. 
Uh, that yeah. that's what it comes down to. The guy's got a pitch, and we're we're just not seeing that yet. But hopefully, after tomorrow, everybody can take a deep breath and go, "Okay, here he is. There he is. We see him. He's good. Let's move on." Yeah, it does sound like Jack Flaherty was trying to get to pitch today. I mean, he was trying to, and the the training staff and everybody are the ones that said, "Let's let's push this off a little bit." Um, but yeah, I, I think it's right. It's going to be. I mean, he needs to get through three innings, right? Not only for health, but also, you know, pitch count. You know, you don't want it to get too high. So, I mean, there is some regard there, but um, it, it's a big deal. Um, we'll see how that goes. And, yeah, right, hopefully tomorrow after him and, you know, getting a chance to see Stephen Matz, hopefully we feel a little bit better. You know, we saw Jordan Montgomery today. Not great results. It looked like, sounded like everybody was kind of happy with how he went about it. It just didn't work out, but then it didn't work out for a lot of people today. Um, that's where we're hitting it. And, you know, how much do you take out of this? You're, you know, you're playing in minor league ballparks, you're playing it with the wind that could be blowing out. It's, there's so many variables that, you know, if you're, when you look at a box score, it looks, it looks pretty rough, but you know, overall it sounds like they were pretty pleased with what Jeff Jordan Montgomery brought to the table today. Yeah. And I think he's made a comment that like he was hitting like 96 and he's not even used to hitting 96. And so his arm is feeling good. So I, yeah, his stat line doesn't bother me. I am. I'm very curious about seeing Matt's pitch. Um, he was one of the unluckiest pitchers in baseball last year. His ERA was five plus, but if you look at his FIP, his FIP, it was like in the mid threes. It was like where it is. It has been for the last couple of years for him, just showing that he was just a very unlucky pitcher. Um, I believe his FIP was right around where Miles Michaelis was. But if you look at their the the big stats that people look at, they were nothing close to each other so i'm curious to see what his season looks like um if you go purely based on analytics it should show that he should have a closer year to his normal year this year um that luck should be a little more on his side so yeah i'm curious to see how he responds um i'm curious to see the um the gordon graceffo mcgreevy game that's coming up this week uh where you got guys that uh, look pretty strong in double a towards the end of the year um, but like you said, you got to take these stats with a grain of salt. Uh, like Zach Thompson's stat line looks great right now. I'm very encouraged about him. I mean, he looked great at the end of last year. He's looked great this year. But I have to remind myself, when he's coming in games in spring, he's usually pitching against guys who are the subs or the subs of the subs who are going to be starting the season in A ball or double A. So he's not necessarily facing big league starters. Even so, his his numbers look pretty good. But it's one of those things I try not to freak out about how good he's looked is the same way I try not to freak out about Montgomery having a little bit of a rough start. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, today after the first person that came into the game after Montgomery was Ryan Helsley. Um, and Helsley gave up, a, I think, a run, maybe two. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But you also got to realize that, you know, he's not used to coming into the fourth inning. And especially with a closer, I got to feel like the adrenaline is a big part of what he can do. Right. And so when you're coming into the fourth inning of a spring training game, that is completely different than coming into the, you know, eighth inning with rudders on in the middle of you know August or something like that. So context matters some as well. Um, it's, yeah, I guess when you get down to what the last week or so, that's when you get, you know, people in their regular positions you get people playing it a little bit more seriously. Uh, and maybe you could take a little bit more from there, but even then it's, it's still spring training. They're still trying to get some, you know, still trying to work on a few things before 
they go north to to St. Louis, it's, it's so difficult to take anything out of this. We, you know, we read whatever we want to. Into this. That's kind of what we've talked about on, you know, from both shows. Um, you just read whatever you want to and that you can always find some point that, that you can rationalize or, or support your agreement argument uh, if you want to out of spring. Yeah. And last week we talked about Jordan Hicks and were mm-hmm. we worried about how he looked? Well, today he goes out and throws a clean inning. Uh, 14 pitches, nine of those are strikes, control looks better. And after saying that today, I'm thinking, eh, okay, yeah, no concern there whatsoever. Whereas last week, people could be freaking out about his performance, but it was just one performance. Uh, right. So yeah, um, still a lot of time to go, small sample size. And, and a lot of times with spring, you just want to get out of there healthy, especially this yeah. year at the World Baseball Classic. You just want your guys to be healthy. There are some battles for spots, and yes, best man may win. But as far as your vets go, you know what they're going to do for the most part. Just just get to St. Louis and be 100%. Speaking of health and vets, though, um, Paul DeYoung still hasn't taken the field yet. He's DH'd a couple of games. In fact, I think, you know, hit a home run on Saturday in the first game he's played in about a week. Um, you know, it, I would like to see if they're not going to put him out in the field. And I, I don't worry about his fielding much. I know that they're going to try to move him around, but you know, Paul DeYoung's defense has never been really the issue. I really kind of would like to see them put him in line, you know, DH him or a few a little bit more and see if we can draw anything out of the significant changes that he's made. Uh, you know, again, so, so far in three spring games, he's looked okay. Um, or at least the results have been okay. But, you know, again, is he hitting that, you know, is he hit a home run off of a guy that's going to be in single A this year? Um, is he you know, what is this? I think more repetitions. And I'm sure we'll see that more this week, especially now that, you know, Tommy Edmonds gone and, and everything of that nature. But, um, you know, getting Paul DeYoung on the field, I think is, is huge for trying to get a judge of what that middle infield is going to look like this year. I'm writing it down at the 30 minute mark. You're saying that Mason Wynn is making the opening day roster because Paul DeYoung <laughs> is not producing and is hurt. There we go. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. exactly what I said. I, mean, I actually had that same thought too, though. I thought, you know, why is he not in the DH role if he can swing the bat? And and maybe he's getting swings on the backfield. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, Paul DeYoung could hit 500 in spring and I'd still be going eh, mm-hmm. when <laughs> this regular yeah. season starts. I, I hope the guy does great. Uh, but it's yeah, it's already a little kind of like, oh, man, come on. When you hear about the, the fatigue, uh, I don't uh, I know it's a make or break season for him and he has a cheap buyout next year and it would take a lot for the Cardinals to pick up that option. But the the best to him, I, I hope he does something. I hope he surprises us all. But I think at this point, it's you've got to just assume the season's going to go without him playing a major role other than seeing him off the bench time to time. Yeah, and I think if you plan that, and if something happens, great. Um, if not, then you're not disappointed. Um, so that's I think that's fair. Um, I guess the the you know the big bats, the the big arms, they leave this week. I think they said that uh, you know Nolan and maybe Goldie are going to work out tomorrow, but they've they're done with their spring training for the Cardinals for a little bit um, as the World Baseball Classic teams start to gather. So, I mean. I think we've kind of talked a little bit about it, about seeing these guys a little bit more this week, but is there anything else that you're looking for this week as we see it a little bit more of the, the minor leaguers, if you will, take over? I'm just going to enjoy watching these guys play. Um, when you, you know, can see them play. 
Yeah, yeah, win. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm keeping my eye on Gallegos. He had a nice bounce back after having some issues with the the pitch clock. Um, seeming se- seemed like he was a little uncomfortable at first, but um he's kind of bounced back. I'm just gonna keep my eye I say keep my eye on like Walker. Like I'm not gonna hear about it from every Twitter account out there mm-hmm. when he hits a home run. But um obviously I'm keeping my eye on him. Guys like Nolan Gorman, Yepes, Burleson, uh, because they're in a fight to make the team. And I think competition uh, brings out the best in some people. And I think some people sink from it. So just curious to see what happens with them. Carlson to see how his shoulder's doing, how he's feeling. Um, you know, anytime Tink Hintz gets in a game, um, yeah. it's going to get my attention. Uh, Graceffo, McGreevy, seeing how their control is. Graceffo is a guy that I'm just, I, I'm very interested in because the guy can hit triple digits and yet he's not really a strikeout pitcher. Um, <laughs> but he's considered, like have, hits. yeah, um, he, he has some of the best control in, in camp or best control in the entire organization. And so a guy that can hit a hundred and put it where he wants, is going to throw a heavy ball. And so uh, that's a guy I enjoy watching. McGreevy's another guy, great control. Um, I like watching the kids play. Um, the Cardinals have an exciting organization, good farm team. And so, yeah, anytime you see some of these names that you don't normally see in a July lineup, getting a chance to play, it's, it's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fun to to see. And you're right. I think it's a big, you know, kind of a big week for Carlson, you know, to get a chance to get out there because we need to see, I mean, he, it's really weird that, you know, again, you know, we're talking three years ago, he's the big thing and he had a good year. And now all of a sudden it kind of feels like he's hanging on for dear life to, to keep a starting spot. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hopeful that he can start to get out there and, and start to put some, some bats together. And cause you know, again, the good thing is we know what these guys can do defensively for the most part. So it's really just about, getting some, some repetitions up at the plate and, and seeing if they can do something with, you know, competitive pitching, whether it's, you know, major league pitching or not, it's a different story, but at least it's not, you know, your own guy throwing, you know, batting practice. So mm-hmm. and I will throw one more name out there. That's Matthew mm-hmm. Libertor because he yeah. had such a great first outing. Um, he did not, he got bumped off MLB's top 100 prospect list. Um, but they did a podcast where they talked about guys that just made the list and they brought him up and talked about how he was one of those guys like Dylan Carlson that got rushed to the big leagues yeah. ahead of his time. And it's still relatively young compared to when he started out and where he should be. And so he's one of those guys I, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Um, he, he gets blasted so much because of the trade that he was right. involved in. But goodness, I mean, the Cardinals could potentially have a number three, number four lefty out of that. I give him some time, but he's off to a good start and I'm enjoying watching that. Yeah. And I think that as much as, you know, you're looking at him as a three and four, which is reasonable. And I think so many people, not even because of the trade, although that does not help kind of really kind of look at him, right. As he should be this ace of the staff type of pitcher. And, you know, he's probably not going to be that. And I don't think that, that the Cardinals ever sold him as that way, but you know, he was a top pitching prospect and you kind of, you know, when you, when it's a name like that, that's been ranked and all these things, you expect them to be more than a three starter, even though that's very, very good. Um, I, one of the things Kyle Reese does a very good job of, I think, in doing Cardinal prospects is keeping expectations, you know, just to, you know, if you're a, a backup guy for five years in the major leagues, you're a success story, right? You, you don't have to be an all-star to be a success. Um, so yeah, I, if you can do that, that would be great. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he had some struggles last year, but you're right. He's, it's been a weird career for him and, and everybody. I mean, anybody that had significant development time, you know, interrupted in 2020 is going to, it's going to, those things are going to last for a while. And so um, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good point to a person that's, that's a lot of fun and, you know, feels like he's going to be the, you know, the, the maybe, you know, maybe next man up, maybe Jake Woodford's that guy, but you know, he's going to get some time in the major leagues this year and, you know, we'll see what he can do with it. Yeah. I mean, the guy is only 23. Like that's what mm-hmm. I think people forget about sometimes yeah. that um, he he's not that old. I mean, if you're looking age wise, he's on like the same path as like Graceffo and Grevy guys that we think that just got into the system because Libertor came out of high school. People think of it differently, but he's still young. He's five years younger than Randy Rosarena. Um, five years ago, a Rosarena was not doing anything. He was not a household name. So I hope people just stay patient with him. I mean, if the guy makes it, if the guy becomes a number three, number four, by the time he's 25, the trade has worked. The trade has paid off um, because lefties don't grow on trees like that. So hopefully we'll see good things from him. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Well, there's plenty, plenty of things to watch this week and look forward to doing that. Um, we'll be back with you next week. We'll talk about whatever happened this week and maybe a little bit of World Baseball Classic stuff to talk about as well. I know the Cardinals are playing the Nicaragua team later on in this week, so that should be fun to watch. So uh, until next week, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.